welcome to our first ever breath second podcast with our first guest, very well known and renowned in the automation and artificial intelligence industry. With more than 13 years working at EY in robotics and automation, then leading McKinsey practice for automation and artificial intelligence, member of the Forbes Technology Council, more than 200k follower on LinkedIn and LinkedIn Talk Voice, and last but not least, author of the recently published book Intelligent Automation, Welcome to the World of Hyper Automation. Tonight our first guest is Pascal Bornet. We are delighted to have you tonight, Pascal. Thanks for welcoming me. I will say when I started to do some due diligence on you, right? Uh, I will say the first figures that I've detected on your LinkedIn profile is the number of followers that you have. So like 200K, 200,000. I was like, wow, this guy is, uh, there is something special here to, to, to discuss with him. So, and you have not yet created or written any book, I would say. So it will be your first one. We're going to talk today about intelligent automation. I think it's going to be something pretty interesting, pretty attractive. So... Let's kick start. Let's kick start about your background. Um, born in Grenoble, for, for those of you who know in France. Um, father as a teacher, my mother secretary, and um, grew up like looking for, for a passion, for a purpose in life. Because I didn't have any purpose in life, I wasn't good at, at school, I must say. Okay. So um, I tried art, but uh, art didn't like me. <laughs> then, then uh, people told me, if you want to make money, you need to go into finance. So I went into finance uh, at that time called Hyperion Financial Management. Uh, that was the first consolidation, reporting and consolidation tool that we implemented in France using this tool. And, and then uh, EY Ernst Young liked it and, and they, they hired me to do the same thing for them, went around Middle East and Europe implementing the same and, and my wife and I wanted to, to, to travel more than that, um, decided to move to, to Asia Pacific and, and uh, moving to Asia Pacific, my focus changed from, had to change basically from technology to, to more shared service centers, outsourcing, offshoring, you know, to those low cost yeah, locations. Yeah. Focused on that in China and worked a lot in the Philippines, in, uh, in, uh, in Malaysia, in India, set, settling up those big centers, back office centers, front office centers for large companies. Uh, yeah, got, got passionate about it. Um, but then came an alternative to those big centers, which uh -huh. was basically automation. So why, why companies would hire human people to perform those large scale Uh, low-cost uh, functions, while a robot can do the same, of cheaper, faster, um, more efficiently, and, and then came automation. And, and from basic automation, like robotic process automation, 10, 10 8 years ago, yeah. to artificial intelligence, I, I became passionate, and, and that's where we are today. And you managed to have this book. What, what's, what's the magic behind I think it's, it's all about passion, again. So passion meaning you, you really want something, you really like something. That basically, it starts with you really like something, then you really want something, and then you do everything to make it happen. And, um, and I would say the f my first passion was traveling. And what I was thinking of is 
I don't want to work in France, um, but I want the world to be my, my office. Okay, and... Um, Is it in uh, your book? I want the world to be my office. I think <laughs> it's a nice, another good title of... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly when I knew that, but, but I, I know one thing is when I met my wife, both of us, we, we love traveling. So we went backpacking in India, we went back, backpacking in Thailand and, and so on, back uh, 20 years ago, um, when we were still living in France. And we, and we told ourselves, okay, we will, anyway, when, whenever we'll be retired, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll go around the world and we'll do everything we want. And, and, and what we want, again, is traveling and see different cultures and, and benefit of the richness of the world. But what we've seen is around us, um, two people, exactly two people, um, getting retired, 60 years old, 62 years old, or 63 years old, getting cancer. And, and just passing away. While those people had the same dreams, or the same other dreams, but retirement dreams, as, the same as, as we had, and, uh, and had never been able to do it. So what we told ourselves is, let's, do, let's not wait retirement for do, to do what we dream about. Let's do our life, our dream. And that's when we took our decision to fly to Shanghai and settle there 10 years ago. And love the area, love the culture, love the country, uh, love the richness we got from it, and uh, and moved. Then after, still I was still with EY at that time to to Singapore. It's been six years now. And enjoyed enjoyed the Asia region, which is very rich in terms of cultures, of diversity, of of travel. We really really loved living here. We didn't talk uh, that much about it, but you have like 200k followers on LinkedIn. This is not something common, even for book writers, even for specialists at McKinsey in AI or in other practices. This isn't common. And I'm dying to know how did, did you come that far and was that intended? Meaning, were you publishing content on LinkedIn having inside you the goal of getting that much follower and that much impact of what you were publishing in terms of content and and, um, and yeah and philosophy of sharing um, can you explain to us that a little more how did you get to this level and was that intended yeah that's that's a great question um, again I come back to passion passion here is is the key is the key point I'm passionate about technology being able to transform our world, being able to make our world more human, make, being able to make all of us focus on what really matters, which is others, love, family. And when you have found such a passion, you do everything you can to share it. To And whatever you can do, you, you want to influence others. So... So I'm just doing anything that everyone's doing. Like I'm reading every morning, every every day my news. Okay, the news that I like, and and uh, and the only thing I do in addition is I share the ones that I want to share with with my LinkedIn profile and and other profiles around around social media. That's that's all. So basically, I'm I just get impressed by news that I want to share and I share them and and. Um, 
and um, bam, 200k. <laughs> so the key is really to <laughs> yeah, be authentic. Again, it's really just about sharing passion. Without passion, you can't do that. And how did you get from zero or 100 or 1,000 to 200,000? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just like to share. Okay, I just like to share. And uh, so I will give myself a few rules. Like, for example, being a, be, uh, I try to share like three, three times a week. Okay. Uh, but a very important point as well, I don't want to put pressure on myself. Like, yeah, yeah I have to share something, so I need to find something. No, I, it's really about, again, going through what I read every day, collecting what I like and what I would want to share. And basically, at some point in the week where I feel that I want to share, I will choose within this week, within this list. Uh, okay, I will, I will share this one. And I, because of the context today, because of my mood, whatever, or, and and uh, <laughs> and share it, and um, that's really all. Can you say that intelligent automation, the way to make processes and new technologies for companies automated and concrete in terms of business, is the new AI, the new artificial intelligence that? as one of your comments on the book said, was more hype and just trend. Would you say that IA is the new AI? Very good question. Um, so if you define AI as the capacity of technology to mimic human intelligence only, so I'm thinking here of the narrow uh, definition of artificial intelligence, It would mean that you would use a technology that is not able to execute actions, that is not able to see, that is not able to hear, that is not able to speak, that is, okay, just a brain. Okay, so what can you do with a brain? So, and this is really where comes intelligent automation, connecting those different technologies that are able to um, simulate different capabilities that really can help us in... In, uh, in, in our work, in our day-to-day -day life. IA is a new AI. I think it's a game changer. How do you decide uh, at some point in your career to write a book? Why am I posting on LinkedIn and, and social media? It's exactly the same thing. It's, it's about sharing about my passion and telling to everyone the message that I have in my mind, which is technology is helping us to be, to be more human. Mm. I think as a, as a consultant, you see the gap between what you read on the websites, on the white papers, on what vendors tell you, and, and the reality on the ground at your clients, in the companies, which technologies they are using, which mainframe in 50% of the case they are using. Uh, when I say mainframe, it's very old system, okay? That <laughs> legacy systems. Um, <laughs> And, and how paper-based those and process-based, like approval-based and are those processes. We are far from the Google of the world, okay? Uh, in 99% of the companies around the world. And, uh, and what we write in the book is very pragmatic around solving the issues for those companies. What concretely can be done? What can they do? Uh, using which technology? What they can expect? And how they can maximize the chance of getting it right? Uh, and this is based on lessons learned from a few hundreds of transformations that 
my co-authors and I have done. So it's really very, very pragmatic, very realistic. So would you say the book is really for kind of everyone interested in uh, AI and intelligent automation, where if I'm a manager and I want to implement this for my company, or if I'm just passionate or interested about this and I have no knowledge so far about it, I can still get the basics on the books and get more to implement it in my company. It's really like a wide... Very, very wide audience from, from experts having implemented intelligent automation for the last five to ten years or to people just interested into what the future holds about uh, technology impact in business in, in, in companies for employees for clients uh, I mean the book has been we've taken a long time to write the book it's been more than one year and a half that we've been working on it the and, and the most difficult has been to find the right way to discuss about complex things very simply and, and I truly hope we've, we've been able to achieve that so the book is really for everyone. I've always kept in mind when I was writing anything that my mother couldn't understand anything. <laughs> Even my grandmother. <laughs> so you wrote this book with two co-authors, right? Can you tell us more about them? One of the co-authors is, is um, Joran Wiers. Joran Wiers is an MBA uh, program vice dean for the National University of Singapore. Okay, He... He's been my, my teacher, basically, in an executive MBA uh, more than 10 years ago. And, um, at NUS. At NUS, correct. And, um, and I've, I've, I've given lectures for him for the last uh, three, four years. We are really aligned on, on what we do. He's a, he's a professor specialized in, in service marketing, where definitely intelligent automation is, is playing a big role. So um, definitely makes sense. And he's written more than 20 books in his career uh, and, and um, the last uh, years. And uh, uh, the other one is Jan Barkin. Jan Barkin is, um, is one of the founders of a pure play intelligent automation uh, consulting company uh, named Symphony based in UK and US that has been acquired by Group Sykes a few months ago for press release say more than 60 million and uh, Jan Barkin so yeah has been one of the the first one to uh, in the world to consult uh, in this area of of, um, of expertise. Uh, Joran Wiers is based in Singapore uh, German origins and um, and Jan Barkin is based in in currently in Florida so US US origins. So in your mind the, the world of tomorrow will be more defined by a sort of collaboration between the machine, some kind of machine having the capacity to really replace the very repetitive and, I would say, difficult task that most of the professional workers uh, can't do or that are not really, doesn't really generate any added value, and to have a sort of journey where both can work, I would say, and and an end, I would say, I and and to and to potentially help at the end of the day the professional worker to do their task. But at the, at the end of the day, can we? What will be the final outcome of it? Do you think that this will help to generate more work, 
and to have a, a society, I would say, uh, re-energized with new type of uh, task, I would <coughs> say maybe with more high-tech type, requiring more high-tech skills. I think, in an overall view, this will help all of us to be, to be more human. Okay? And being more human means a lot of things. First of all, it's, it means that, as you said, we won't be focused on transactional repetitive tasks, but more on interesting, more value-add tasks. Uh, it's also the capacity to work hand-in-hand -hand with the machine, as you said, the capacity to, to benefit from the super-intelligence of the machine to help our decision and our actions. Um, but it's also the capacity, why not, and I'm a bit uh, maybe a hippie here, <laughs> thinking of all of us um, at the end of the day, and I'd be a bit provocative here, uh, on a beach, um, doing nothing, with, playing, <laughs> doing nothing, playing with our kids, doing anything that we like, uh, doing our, our passion, okay? If, it's, if your passion is not on the beach, it can be somewhere else, but why not? And um, most importantly, having the machine work and deliver the value for us while we can focus on what matters for us. And I think whatever mat what matters for any of us mm -hmm. is, is, is people, the others, is love. I yeah. think we should, we should say, say that. And I think uh, Kai Fuli did it very well in his book. Mm. Which means, basically, focusing on what makes us different from machine. Machines are good in repeating, in doing things, in, in doing processes, in understanding patterns from large volume of data. We are not good at that. So let the machine do that <laughs> and let's focus on, on where, where we are special for and, and where we are good at, which is social, which is um, innovation, which is planning, which is strategy, which is creativity. One of the most I mean, biggest fear of the people in automation, I guess, will be like it will kill jobs and not create enough jobs for the population to find actually one and do you think this thesis is, is true or do you think like at the contrary automation can create new jobs and be like killing jobs to create new ones new kind of jobs where people are more happy in it so do you think there would still be job for anyone and uh, do you think anyone could find a job in what you were mentioning, strategy, planning, and, and so on? So in other words, does everyone will enjoy uh, spending time on the beach with the kids <laughs> or just the order of, uh, mm -hmm. of the automated companies uh, providing all those technologies? Just to, just to formulate the ideas that we talk about in the book. The first thing is we, we distinguish two pool of thoughts. One is, we would say, the optimists, which take lessons from the past industrial revolutions, okay, given that we are in the fourth one today. Those technology revolutions have created more, more jobs than they have destroyed at the end of the day, even, even though you, we all know about Lunitz and so on and, and the stories of people having, uh, being scared of technology taking, taking their job. But at the end of the day, we all know the outcome, which was more jobs were created and more industries and more opportunities were created. The big question today is, will it be the same for the fourth industrial revolution? 
uh, I would say the first school which is the optimist school uh, more the economist ones basically uh, would say yes it is it will be there is no reason why it wouldn't be the same it was three times the same before it has to be the force <laughs> but there is another school coming and saying guys that's not at all uh, the same speed the same pace we are not talking about the same technology this technology is much more powerful this technology is not taking not repeating what our arms can do but much more than that it's our brain so it's taking basically our whole body yeah. and this school is not a stupid school I mean like uh, Elon Musk Bill Gates uh, I mean and, uh, Stephen Hawking I mean you can name huge amount of people researchers uh, scientists thinking about, about this what we say in the book is we don't know what will be the future okay we are not clairvoyant we are not we don't know but we know only one thing is to manage our risk yeah. we need to think of what could be the two options and, and those are the questions we ask in the book is it an op- would it be an opportunity to rethink our society and, uh, and using uh, universal basic income for example or yeah. similar type of wealth sharing mechanism to help us share the wealth And, and this has been an issue from the beginning of technology. So we know that it's going to be a growing issue. The, the inequality of wealth will be a growing issue and we need to find a solution to that. So you integrate that in your part? Definitely. I, mean, I mean, in your book, you integrate the, the fact that the universal income or of such kind of revenues may That's be a sort of solution to... I think it's, it's a... It's, it's a fundamental mechanism that we need to put in place whether it's UBI or whether it's something similar or some another way of sharing wealth mm-hmm. the key point is today uh, we and we've seen and we've demonstrated economists have demonstrated that uh, technology the advancements in technology are increasing inequalities amongst people Um, and we, we've been able to see it, right? Yeah. I mean, like a few months ago with COVID, the COVID crisis where uh, only the people with a computer and internet have been able to work mm-hmm. or have been able to go to school or have been able to have a social activity. It means, I mean, can you imagine how many people in, around the world don't yeah, have course. access to both? Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's really, I mean, technology is creating inequalities and our society has to react mm-hmm. and share this wealth. The point is clear that intelligent automation applies for every type of business, like yes. literally every type of business for every region. And the question that I can ask you and that maybe some uh, entrepreneurs, managers or C-level will uh, wonder when listening to you is, when is the right time and what's the right step to implement AI and intelligent automation? Shall it be at the very beginning or because it might be costly as well? So would it be better to implement it in the growing phase or at a more established phase? When is for you the right time to think, work and invest into IA, intelligent automation? That's, that's a good question that my clients are asking every day. <laughs> uh, different answers to this question it depends I would say it depends on the maturity of the company first of all uh, if the company has already centralized optimized standardized their processes it's much more easy to automate them and companies that haven't been through the steps I mentioned will suffer 
if they go directly into automation. Uh, and the best way to do that is to automate, basically, and to implement intelligent automation is not about using legacy systems and willing to replace those legacy manual, system, manual processes by, by automation, by technology, but really by redesigning, reinventing the processes from A to Z um, and applying to them those new technologies. So garbage in, garbage out, <laughs> trying to mimic and copy what people are currently doing manually and doing it with technology doesn't work. If you redesign the process uh, with a focus on outcome and starting point usually is customer, having this end-to-end view really makes sense and deliver the highest value. According to you, do you think that the new organization of the work, the fact that everyone is working from home and, and so on, uh, will this have finally an impact on the, uh, the way we're going to reorganize ourselves? Uh, do we plan to just keep going to focus on people uh, who are based in, 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 in US or China? We will just focus on, on Silicon Valley? Or do you think uh, this uh, COVID-19 is going to I would say redistribute a little bit the card. Wow. Tough question. <laughs> Tough and, and, and interesting. Um, Breathtaking because many, question. Yeah, many points come to my mind. One of them is regarding intelligent automation. The fact that everybody is working from home is a great thing because it means that all processes, all companies have to work towards digitalizing all their processes. Where processes are digitalized, then they are much easier to automate. When people are working on computers, when there is no more paper manual activities, then it's easier as well to collect the data from those activities, collect the data to identify where are the opportunities for automation, and also start develop those, those automations by generating codes like AI, creating mm -hmm. AI. So it's really a, a great thing for intelligent automation. And, uh, and I think we've seen it over the last three, four months with a lot of fundraising yeah. from intelligent automation companies We've seen a lot of interests, a growing interest from, from the, the investors around the world. Uh, all the largest companies, uh, the Microsoft, the Google, the, the Amazons, mm. launching their products around the same, the same portfolio. So it's really, uh, I think COVID is really helping intelligent yeah. automation as an industry, definitely, and helping our world to be, to be more human, coming yeah. back on what I said before. Talking about uh, data and, and the fact to improve the situation. So, so we have, we start to have a really, uh, not a monopole, but some companies will really just grow every day and every day uh, with cloud, with this notion of cloud where every companies are just putting all their data into the same type of services. So uh, dealing with this, I mean, we, we end up having a situation where everyone goes to the same direction. So from a security, from a risk, from a cyber security, wh what's your view on this? It's both a threat and an opportunity. I mean, definitely all, having all the eggs in the same basket can be a, can be a threat because if the basket falls, every, there's no <laughs> backup. Will, yes, definitely. 
but but having all the eggs in the same basket definitely open opportunities to to connecting all of them and and creating synergies and insight that that we are all looking for companies and consumers and i mean yeah. everyone would benefit from that what's the difference between intelligent automation and artificial intelligence let's start with the, the the definition of of intelligent automation which is about automating knowledge work okay knowledge knowledge work is is basically what people have been doing around the world uh, 80% of basically of the workforce have been doing around the world uh, mainly on computer uh, using their brains to deliver value so i think most of the, the industries are, are included into this and what differentiates Uh, intelligent automation from from artificial intelligence or from robotics or from business process management systems or from low code systems i mean you heard all all, all those all those um, all those concepts and systems and technologies currently and to make it very simple it's a combination of all this mm. it's a combination of all this to enable the automation of end to end processes where we will deliver the maximum via value for mm -hmm. companies. Uh, being able to automate those end-to-end -end process, let's take a procure-to-pay process, for example, yeah. which starts with the forecast of demand before you take any orders from suppliers. You will forecast the demand. And for this, you will use machine learning. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever those vendors have delivered the product or service to you, they will send you an invoice. And, and this invoice, you will process it automatically using natural language processing and computer vision. Uh, and, and finally, you will pay those vendors yeah. using robotics because it's a very simple process and, and, and a rule-based rule -based action. Uh, so it's really combining those different mm -hmm. technologies yeah. that we call in the book capabilities, and we differentiate four capabilities, execution, language, vision, and thinking and learning. Okay, those four capabilities, when you combine them together, yeah. you're able to automate about 80% of a purchase-to-pay process. Um, and it's the same with any other end-to-end -end process, onboarding of clients, uh, order to cash, or, or, or any other of, of those end-to-end -end processes. Just run to, to buy this intelligent automation. That's a fantastic, that's a game-changer book. Thanks, Pascal. Thank Thanks you very, very much, Pascal, for being our, our first guest. Thanks. Thanks to both of you. Thank you, guys. <laughs>